Hey, podcast pals, John Moe here. This week, our audience choice show, the bits, songs, sketches, and organized mayhem that you wanted to hear one more time. And uh, speaking of one more time, this is the last you'll hear from us for a little while. The radio show version of Wits is ending, and the podcast is going on hiatus. We're going to take some time to work on some other projects for a little while, clear our heads. But listen, we don't plan on forgetting about you. We're planning to bring back Jimothy and Beckany and lots of what you love from Wits. What form will that take? We don't know yet. When will all this happen? Can't be certain. But until then, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you later. I'm John Moe. This week, an audience choice edition of Wits. We asked what your favorite segments from the show were, and you told us what you loved. It seems you love negative reviews of Shakespeare. Hello, Shakespeare! Is anyone home? Most people will say that I didn't understand this, but I totally did, and it still stinks. And you love when Linus has an emotional crisis regarding his sister, Lucy. I mean, she's my sister, and I love her, but she's the Marquis de Sade, and she's always been alive since Cain killed Abel, you know? You're also fond of rather unusual cover songs. Ask for it, and it's all on wits coming right up. From APM American Public Media and Minnesota Public Radio, this is Wits. I'm John Moe, and I am not on stage at the Fitzgerald Theater or anywhere else this week. I'm in the studio where we've been going over listener nominations, your nominations for our special audience choice episode of Wits. We asked you what your favorite segments were so we could pull as many of them as possible into one big show, and you flooded us with responses. Rebecca in Chicago was one of many, many listeners giving a lot of love for actor and comedian Paul F. Tompkins performing Amazon Review Theater. That's where we take one-star reviews of classic works from Amazon.com and turn them into dramatic monologues. Rebecca says that the reviews are hilarious slash bordering on insane. Well, that's why we love them. Here's Paul. A triptych of reviews. The novel Moby Dick by Herman Melville. <laughs> Review number one. The worst classic novel I ever read. I thought this book dragged on and on, was loaded with tedious detail, and was a waste of time. If it had been condensed into three short chapters, it would have been much better. If you want to read a good novel, this isn't it. I would give it zero stars if I could. Review the second. I've heard for years that Moby Dick is a great American classic. Decided to try to read it. Very disappointed. If you want to read lots of meaningless whale trivia, read the book. <laughs> if you want to read a good book, stay as far as you can from this book. 
little switcheroo at the end. They both yeah. use the old, yeah. if you want to read it, it seems like they're they, going to recommend a book. If you want to read a good book, read Moby Dick, yeah. but no, they turn. They cannot think of a single other book. Yeah. <laughs> Final review of Moby Dick was written in the style I like to call Typing Hulk. This means, this means no punctuation and no capitalization. I had to read this book for school. It boring. Don't read. Why is this so famous? Can't even understand writing. Words too big. I hate it. Not even interesting. They just sit on a boat, then get killed by a whale. Stupid captain knew they were gonna die. Paul F. Tompkins, ladies and gentlemen. More Amazon Review Theater coming up a little later in the show. This is an audience choice edition of Wits. I'm John Moe. In getting your feedback for the audience choice show, we got a lot of people mentioning pop song correspondences, a signature bit on Wits. Well, we dug into the archives for one of the first pop song correspondences we ever did. Enjoy. Pop song correspondences. Notes on Sweet Child O' Mine as delivered to Axl Rose by his editor. Hi Axel, I've been going over your manuscript and demo for the song Sweet Child O' Mine. I think we need to talk. As your editor, I'm responsible for making your songs as cogent as possible, for helping them reach the high editorial standards your public has come to expect. With this one, I'm certainly earning my keep. After several attempts to reach you by phone, I'm sending along my notes by fax. Please, make fixes. Redundant. You either have a memory or you're reminded of something. You're not reminded of a memory. Where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. Yeah, I asked around the office and no one is sure a sky that is blue is necessarily fresh. You could have a blue sky at the end of a long, sweaty day and there would be nothing fresh about it. And she reminds you of a time when things were fresh? Fond recollections of freshness are no foundation for love. Fix. Now and then when I see her face, it takes me away to that special place. Okay, you weaken your own argument. Why does the sight of her face transport you to the special place only now and then? And is it just her smile or her entire face that does this to you? Because you've already said both. Consistency, Axel. And if I stare too long, I'd probably break down and cry. Why would you do that? Because you missed the freshness you described earlier? I think the whole fresh thing is really tripping you up. Also, crying, wimpy. Oh, 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 sweet child of mine. Okay. On to the second verse. Her hair reminds me of a warm, safe place where as a child I'd hide. Delete, fix, do something. You'd hide in a place that reminded you of hair? Never show me such phrases again. And prayed for the thunder and the rain to quietly pass me by. Okay, listen to me now. Thunder? 
can't quietly do anything, it's thunder. And more importantly, do you really want to come across as someone who's constantly on the verge of weeping and skittering into hair caves? You need to work these things out. Finally, Axel, I think we might have had a misunderstanding regarding my notes. When I wrote in colored pencil, Where do we go? Where do we go now? Where do we go? I wasn't offering that as a lyric. I was observing that in narrative terms, the song needed to progress in some way. You love the girl, she's helping you work through some issues about hair or freshness, whatever. So where do we go now? But instead of giving an answer, you just took my note and repeated it over and over again. Don't ask us, the listeners, where we go. That's up to you as the writer. Tell us where we go now. Let's try to fix these things soon and get sweet child of mine, or maybe we call it my sweet child, because shorter, into your hands of the fans as quickly as possible. Because frankly, if it should ever hit the street in its current form, the song would be a colossal failure. Talk soon, your editor, Saul Hudson. That's Janie Winterbauer on Axl Rose vocals there. John Munson and the Witnesses providing musical accompaniment. This is an audience choice edition of Wits. I'm John Moe. A while back, we had a really fun show with comedian Rob Delaney and singers Nico Case and Kelly Hogan. Jill Bergquist of St. Paul points to the Kleiner Home Appliances sketch from that show as one of her favorites. It's one of my favorites, too. Kleiner Appliance Customer Service. This is Ben Crestworthy. Hi, I bought your Series 3 refrigerator a month ago, and the ice maker just stopped working. Okay, uh, and is there a kind of high-pitched hum or drone sound? Yeah, there is, uh, along with like a clicking. Right, as if it's struggling to make ice, but it might be jammed or something? Yes, exactly. Okay, uh, I know what this is. More than likely, you have an ice angel. Excuse me? Go ahead and take a look up the ice chute. Are you looking? Yeah, but did you say... And do you see, like, the most beautiful face you've ever seen? Like if Meryl Streep were trapped inside a diamond? What? No, I don't see, I don't see anything. Oh, she's hiding. Ice angels are shy. Uh, do you have some ground beef? Pardon me? What you'll want to do is put a layer of raw beef in the little tray beneath the ice chute. Ice angels love beef. That'll lure her right out of there. Let her eat the beef, then she'll flutter away. Uh, yeah, is there someone else I can talk to there? Like a, a manager or a policeman? Uh, yes, uh, but I'm the only one here who knows the truth about angels. Now, be careful. If she's up there too long, she might never leave. Ice angels are very territorial. <laughs> Kleiner Appliance Customer Service, may I have your name? Wait, is it Kathy? No, it's Jennifer. Jennifer, what's going on? Well, I have a Kleiner brand dryer, and it's not drying my clothes very well. The, the buzzer doesn't go off when it's done, and it makes a weird rattling sound like something's loose up inside there. Oh, Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer, I have some good news for you. Oh, good. You have fabric angels. A whole bunch of them. 
a bunch of angels? Yeah, they're naughty little scamps who need a lot of attention. So they're probably messing up your laundry because they'd like you to sing to them. Do you know any ragtime jingles? Are you freaking kidding me? Their wings are made of wishes and their voices smell of popcorn. Ask them where they've hidden their pot of ambergris. She's so lucky. Good afternoon, Ben Crestworthy at your service. May I have your name? Uh, it's Peter. Okay, um, I purchased the single-service cappuccino maker. Excellent choice. Uh, thanks. I've only had it a, a few days, and the water just takes forever to pass through the filter. Oh, my God. What? Do me a favor. Okay. Can you lift the auxiliary single-serve cupping mechanism? It has a blue tab. Okay, I did that. Do you have a flashlight? Yeah. Okay, direct the beam into the valve above the filter. Okay, I... Oh, my God. Do you see him? Who is he? His eyes fill me with calm I've never known. It's a coffee angel. Beckon him by extending an open palm. Oh, my. Here he comes. I understand now. I... I understand that the universe is the benevolent vision of a billion beings whose souls extend through time in every direction. Yes. Everything I've ever thought to be true was an illusion. Of course, idiot. I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> Me too. Ben? Ben? Yes, Peter, I'm here. Can I also order a dozen packages of those hazelnut flavor packets while I got you? Of course, we'll ship those right out. Thanks for calling and have a nice day. Rob Delaney as Ben Crestworthy, Nico Case, Kelly Hogan, and me as Callers. I'm John Moe. You're listening to a special Audience Choice edition of Wits. Coming up on Wits, Linus has a crisis, the pop song correspondences take on Royals, and more Amazon Review Theater. I'm John Moe, and this is a special audience choice edition of Wits, the segments that you told us you love very, very much. Jeremy Cole is one of our listeners, and he wrote in support of Harmar Superstar singing Lady You Shot Me. I love his music, Jeremy said, and the horns sounded fantastic. Well, I completely agree. In fact, this performance on Wits was the first time Harmar had ever played this song live with a horn section. Enjoy.
Armar Superstar with John Munson and the Witnesses, with Chris Thompson on sax, Stephen Kung on trumpet, and Matt Darling on trombone. More Amazon Review Theater now with Paul F. Tompkins' actual one-star reviews of classic works on Amazon.com. Lynette from Washington, D.C. says the Goodnight Moon Review, which you're going to hear in this segment coming up, is the, quote, perfect little neurotic blurb of new millennium parenting, unquote. Here's Paul. The Grapes of Wrath. Sorry, Mr. Steinbeck. I didn't like this one. Let me tell you why. First of all, these poor people have such bad luck. I mean, you'd think at least one good thing would happen to them within the entire novel. Not so. Also, Steinbeck uses a lot of sexual references that are kind of weird and not very enjoyable. (laughs) Lastly, you'd think Steinbeck is an insane guy or something because whenever something gross happens, he really gets into describing it somewhat graphically. (laughs) The Hobbit. I returned this item. It was very weird, I thought. I returned the book. I returned the book. I returned this book. 
I sent this book. I didn't like this book. Good night, moon. Huh? I'm a 26-month-old who was on par with five-year-olds for his vocabulary. He loves books, and mostly longer books that tell a story. My son asked me, Mama, what's mush? Um, I didn't know what to say. What is mush? Is that even a noun? <laughs> then the old lady, AKA rabbit. So confusing. My son again asked, what's an old lady? Well, an old lady isn't a knitting rabbit. <laughs> he clearly knows what a rabbit slash bunny is. He knows what a noise is, since he always asks, what's that noise, when he hears anything? At the end, <laughs> at the end, when the author writes, good night, noises everywhere, makes no sense. <laughs> all in all, I think this book is confusing and detrimental to a toddler's vocabulary. Paul F. Tompkins, everybody. Paul F. Tompkins. Every time I hand him a script for one of those, I feel like I'm just lighting a bonfire of comedy. You're listening to a special Audience Choice edition of Wits. I'm John Moe. We've had the director and comedian Bobcat Goldthwaite on the show a couple of times. I love Bobcat, in part because he shares my love of all things Bigfoot. He made a Bigfoot movie called Willow Creek. I want to find out about Willow Creek, uh, your new movie. What's it about? It is a, uh, a Bigfoot movie. You know, that, that tired... Uh, yeah, that old saw. Yeah. I, uh, I made a Bigfoot movie, and it is a found footage movie, which, you know, often... Uh, I actually don't even like found footage movies. Explain what found footage is. That's when it's like a, a POV. It's like footage that's supposed to be from a video camera, and then it's a movie. But I always wonder, like, who found this footage? Who said, well, I'm sorry your family got killed... But I think if we re-edit it, there's a tremendous picture in here. <laughs> they would have wanted it that way. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants that. Uh, so in it, there are two young people. They go looking for Bigfoot. Right. But I actually went to where the Patterson-Gimlin uh, footage was shot. Uh, Famous Bigfoot walking along and looking yeah. back over his shoulder. It's the uh, Zapruder film of the Bigfoot community. <laughs> It's, it's been studied as much, you uh, know, and, uh, and, and so I went where that was filmed and I shot a movie there. It was really scary because it's like an um, 11-mile dirt road. It takes two and a half hours just to get there, and there was mountain lions and stuff. In fact, when we filmed one scene, one of the actors, he started crying. He was inside a tent, and I go, that was really good, but I don't think your character would cry. And he goes, uh, uh, my character's not crying. I'm crying. Why are we filming this in the woods? We could do this in a hotel parking lot. <laughs> um, and does it, uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you believe in Bigfoot? Uh, yeah, and, and, and often when I say I do believe in Bigfoot, people will go, but you're an atheist and you believe in Bigfoot. And I'm like, well, I've met people who've heard and seen Bigfoot. 
So, did you have any? Uh, <laughs> Did you have any close encounters while you were filming this film? Well, I had a lot of strange encounters when I was filming the movie. Uh, I, I, I actually had a couple of Bigfoot experts with me when we went there and filmed it. And um, at one point, it was about 3 a.m., and we had seen a mountain lion. So one of the uh, Bigfoot believers is also a ranger. So after we saw the mountain lion, I thought I'd be his friend because he probably had a firearm. And... <laughs> And he says to me in the middle of the night, he goes, you know, I'm a writer too. And I go, oh, really? What, what do you write? He goes, well, you know, uh, Twilight? I go, well, sure, we all know Twilight. He goes, well, I write tween novels set in the Bigfoot community. It's a true story, 100%. The Twilight of Sasquatch. Yeah, he goes, they're coming-of-age stories. And I go, oh, well, what's the name of your, one of your books? He goes, the first one is Yeti or Not. <laughs> this is what was keeping me from being mauled to death by a, a mountain lion. There are so many huge believers, though. Yeah, in Bigfoot. I, I mean, I'm, as Wits audiences know, I'm somewhat obsessed with Bigfoot. And a lot of it is because I wish I could believe in anything right. as much as these people believe in Bigfoot. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. It, 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 does, it is a microcosm for faith, you know, because they all believe that they have the one true vision. Like, I was at a Bigfoot convention, and they all believe that, hey, you know what? He does his research. You know, what do you, what do you think I do with all that police academy money? Uh, so I was at this convention, and, and they all believe that Bigfoot has a flat head, that the pointy-headed Bigfoot is some BS started by Steven Spielberg, you know. Uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel saw uh, some of my movie, and he called it Scary in the Hendersons. But the... Uh, the so this guy had a cardboard cutout of a pointy-headed Bigfoot, and this other guy walks over, and he looks at it, and he goes, you disgust me. <laughs> and he goes, why? He goes, look at that head. And he goes, really? I've seen Bigfoot three times, and you're never going to see him because you smoke. Because <laughs> some of them believe that Bigfoot hates tobacco. But I'll tell you one thing, he loves grass, because a lot of them are, are they smoke yeah. a lot of grass <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah. Like... You see Bigfoot, you see uh, Chupacabra, oh, yeah. you see everything. All sorts of things. What you don't see is the park rangers coming in time. <laughs> now, I was watching uh, <laughs> some old stand-up of yours from the 1980s, Letterman appearances, some of your specials back there, and I remembered it being really crazy and absurd, but it, it comes off as very pointed social political commentary in these, in these old stand-up... Like, really? Are, it does. Like, there are almost no punchlines in it. You're just saying, like, stuff about Oliver North and yeah. saying stuff that's on your mind, and then people are laughing because you're you. Yeah. That, you, you specifically told me which clip you saw at what day and time because <laughs> it was very dated. You're Oliver North material. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you still do that? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plays like gangbusters. I, I do that. Fawn Hall. It's with my uh, Furby chunk in my... Sure. <laughs> this, this routine, I'm working on pogs. Um, What's the deal with a Rubik's Cube? Yeah. <laughs> so I... Uh, yeah, I always had like, some social commentary, but I think people couldn't see it through the persona that I was doing. So I may have been doing myself a disservice, but at the same time, man, I'm sounding like I'm very full of myself. <laughs> Let me talk about me a little bit here. <laughs> I, I am, but you know what? I'm constantly humbled by my by being me. I had a woman say to me at an airport, "I don't mean to insult you, but you look like Bobcat Goldthwait." 
<laughs> yeah. What did you say? I had nothing to say back. That was the perfect. Yeah, I was like, ah. Bobcat Goldthwait, everybody. I'm John No. This is a special audience choice edition of Wits. We're going to take another visit to the Pop Song Correspondences archives right now. Stephanie Gibbs of East Hampton, Massachusetts, says our version of Royals by Lord is one that she keeps listening to over and over. Here it is. Pop Song Correspondences. A letter to Lord from the first baseman on the single A Burlington Bees baseball team. Dear Miss Lord, I understand you're the one the team hired to write a song to introduce players to the fans so they could root for us and support us. Well, us players aren't happy with the song as we heard it played at our home games. For instance, even though we're a minor league team, we do know our way around a baseball diamond. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. And it's hard to get support when you make it sound like we hate living in Burlington. And I'm not proud of my address In the torn up town No postcode envy Look, Burlington, Iowa sucks, but you don't have to come out and say it. We also wish you hadn't drawn attention to the behavior of our squad. But every song's like gold teeth, gray goose, tripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, fall gowns, trash in the hotel room, we don't care. We're driving Cadillacs in our dreams. Lord, that was just one night that the whole team put on ball gowns and stole a goose and trashed our hotel rooms and tripped in the bathrooms and got bloodstains everywhere and passed out and had dreams of Cadillacs. It's not every night. Now look, Lord, the big problem with the song is that we're the single A affiliate for the Kansas City Royals. All of us want to make the big league team and and be Royals. That's our only goal. And your song is discouraging when it plays. And we'll never be royals. It's a run in our blood. That kind of luck's just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. No, that's the buzz we do crave. We want to be Kansas City Royals. And when you say we'll never be us Burlington Bees players, well, ma'am, we cry. And, and then you just make it worse. Let me be your ruler. Ooh. You can call me Queen Bee. Maybe I'll rule. Let me live that fantasy. Well, thanks to your song, other teams have started calling us the Burlington Queen Bees. Because you said they could. We want to be stingy bees, not egg-laying bees. Look, minor league ball is no picnic. The pay is crap. There's no job security. We're far from home. The only thing that keeps us going is that we might one day be rich, famous ball players. That's what we care about. But everybody's like crystal, Maybach, diamonds on your timepiece, jet planes, islands, tigers on a gold leash. We don't care. We aren't caught up in your love affair. We want every one of those things you just described. Or we did. Ever since your song came out, our guys have given up. We lose every game. Opposing players paint queen bees on our bus and we don't even stop them. We've lost hope. And we'll never be royal. 
Fantasy's over. We're all quitting the team to become junior high baseball coaches. Hope you're happy, you terrible teenage pop star. Lonnie O'Connor, first baseman. Follow-up letter one year later. Dear Miss Lord, I just heard your new song, We Will Never Be Any Good As Junior High Baseball Coaches. That was really mean. John Munson and the witnesses on that song, Jamie Winterbauer as Lord. This pop song correspondence was originally suggested by listener at C.K. Butterman of Austin, Texas. That was on Twitter, listening to Wits on station KUT. You know, there aren't a lot of public radio shows where you get to hear some of the top comedians in the world get upset about pencils. Sarah Putnam of Las Vegas loved an Amazon Review Theater segment where Keegan-Michael Key of the show Key and Peel does exactly that. North by Northwest. Is this movie exciting? Yes. <laughs> but if you, like my wife and I, like to watch old Hitchcock movies because they are usually clean and wholesome, <laughs> this film will very much disappoint you because of one scene. The primary female character brazenly states lustful intentions for a total stranger whom she obviously knows is wanted by the police. Next, the two hop in bed together. Though nothing is graphically shown, it is quite obvious what has happened. <laughs> Perhaps that embarrassing scene was an effort on the part of Hitchcock to appear as part of the trendy new sexual revolution. <laughs> I am glad that most of his films are not like that. the wood case number two pencils box of 12 yellow <laughs> shopping start to write break shopping rice for one minute break etc 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 Maybe they used to be good. <laughs> but not anymore. 
unless there is a public statement from Ticonderoga that they made a mistake and have rectified the problem, stay far away. <laughs> Keegan Michael Key. Coming up, was William Shakespeare all that good a writer? The answer may surprise you. This is Wits. I'm John Moe. I'm John Moe. This is an audience choice edition of Wits, segments you told us were your favorites. In compiling this special audience choice episode, we heard from Andrew Horn of Columbia, Maryland, who requested the Linus Goes Cold Turkey sketch featuring Patton Oswalt and, as Andrew said in his note, Ioni freaking Sky. Yes, Ioni Sky. Here's how that went down. Our musical guest that week was Ben Lee, who's married to Ioni Sky. And I was told that Ben's wife was going to join him in St. Paul. She was going to come out with him. And would I like to have Ioni Sky as a sketch actor on Wits? Yes, I would. I said, I, I don't get starstruck very often, but I could barely even look at her. I was so scared that if I looked right at her that she would just evaporate because this whole thing had just been a dream. Because there's no way Diane from Say Anything was really on my show. I didn't even have to hold a boombox over my head. She just showed up. Anyway, she's great. She's funny. She's super nice. Here she is playing Sally. I play Charlie Brown. Patton Oswald is Linus. Big Brother, have you seen my... Oh, hello, Linus. What? Sally, now is not a good time. Are you okay, Linus? I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. Lucy told Linus that he needed to stop carrying his blanket around, so he asked me to hide it from him and, and not to give it back no matter what. Yeah, I was right to do it, Charlie Brown. I... I... I don't need that blanket. <laughs> well, what is it anyway, right? A scrap of flannel? So what? Right? Oh, my poor sweet baboo. You're quitting cold turkey? Look, I'm not a baby anymore, okay? Do I, do I, I need to carry around a symbol of my roots? <laughs> what, 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 what did I do as a baby that I'm so proud of that I, I need to carry a trophy, right? <laughs> How long has he been without? Just a few minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, you guys, I'm a... I'm kind of freaking out here. (laughs) Sally, get me a damp washcloth. You got it. Linus, we're going to get you through this. Oh, man, I don't know, man, all right? I mean, this was was Lucy's idea, and she doesn't help people, okay? (laughs) She's a freak, Charlie Brown. She's a fuss budget, all right? And she, I mean, she can't sleep if you're sleeping. She needs to know 
you're feeling centipedes crawling around in your skull, that's when her brain goes quiet and she can rest. I mean, she's my sister and I love her, but she's the Marquis de Sade and she's always been alive since Cain killed Abel, you know? I'll take your word for it. Here's the washcloth, Linus. I'm wiping your forehead now. Relax. Sally, thank you. That, that feels nice. That's the first time you said my name out loud. I like it. Say it again. Sally. Linus. I, I feel... I, I, I feel... Linus? Linus. I smell something. Oh, it's growing. What's that smell? It's... I can't... Oh, Saigon. Good grief. I'm still in stupid Saigon. Linus, can you hear me? It's Charlie Brown. Oh, good old Charlie Brown. Yeah, I'm here. Charlie, don't surf! I won't. What, what, what are we doing on a farm? I can't watch this. Give him his stupid blanket back. Then this is all for nothing. Oh, Come on, Line. You can do this, buddy. Oh, God, that smell again. What's that smell? It's like, it's like cinnamon. It's like, oh, no, he's, no. He's burning no. up. Get the blanket. I'm not getting him the blanket. Don't be a blockhead. Don't call me a blockhead. Linus, hold on. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. <laughs> keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is the great pumpkin. (laughs) Glory to him in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Linus, are you okay? I know what the smell is. It's pumpkin pie. <laughs> Great pumpkin pie. We killed him. He's not coming back. We're alone. All alone. Your fever's breaking. Linus, here's your blanket. I'm so sorry. I don't need it anymore. We're alone, but we're not forsaken by God, pumpkin, man, or blanket. For peace and goodwill toward men need not a symbol, but only the will to do it. Let us go and listen to Schroeder play the piano. For that is the true beauty. Good grief. Yes, Charlie Brown, the best grief. Healing grief. I feel, for the first time, I feel whole. Oswalt as Linus, Ioni Skye as Sally, and me as Charlie Brown. 
This is Wits. I'm John Moe. Let's dip into that Amazon review theater well one more time. This is where actors perform one-star reviews from Amazon.com of classic works. Works like Shakespeare. Here's Paul F. Tompkins. The Beatles' White Album. (laughs) This is, without a doubt, the greatest album ever. If you live in a world of lullabies and skiffle... These lyrical geniuses, as they are so often described, are so solely because half-wits give meaning to their nonsensical lyrics. It's kind of the magic eye of musical lyrics. If you listen long enough and ingest enough dope, maybe you'll find meaning in their words after a while. That nursery rhyme entitled Rocky Raccoon should be renamed, uh, The Curious George Goes to the Saloon Rag. (laughs) But if ever notice, Beatles fans are the same sheep that make it necessary for fast food joints to offer value meals. (laughs) Simply... They need to have someone else decide what would be good to eat. Well, I say this. Here's another pellet for you if you're crazy enough to buy it, but we already know you will. (laughs) William Shakespeare, The Complete Works. (laughs) Hello, Shakespeare! Is anyone home? Most people will say that I didn't understand this, but I totally did, and it still stinks. It cannot equal the feeling I got from reading about Frodo and Sam climbing Mount Doom. fight scenes were totally unrealistic. I'm into suspending disbelief and all, but Hamlet? Hello? Like a ghost living? Give me Mount Doom any day. Little women. To make it better... Please make it shorter. (laughs) And not to have so many confusing plots in it. (laughs) But it was still a little bit good. Paul F. Tompkins, everybody. I'm John Moe. This is an audience choice edition of Wits. One of the more popular elements of our show is the sing-along. The live audience joins our guests for what tends to be a kind of unlikely cover version. You get Amy Mann doing Avril Lavigne songs, Josh Ritter leading a thousand people in singing Psycho Killer. 
Andrew Rosin of Portage, Wisconsin, has a special fondness for the time rapper Gene Gray and author and comedian John Hodgman performed a cover of Biz Marquis' Just a Friend. Andrew writes, This is the segment of the show that I point to when people ask why I like wits. You got what I need But you say he's just a friend You say he's just a friend Oh baby You say he's just a friend. Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date? But you to make love, she wanted you to wait. Let me tell you a story about my situation. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. nation. The way that I met her was on a tour of a concert. She had long hair and a short miniskirt. I just got off stage dripping, pouring with sweat. I was walking through the crowd, and guess who I met? I whispered in the ear, come to the picture booth so I can ask you questions to see if you're 100 proof. I asked her her name, she said, blah, blah, blah. She had nine, 10 pants and a very big bra. I took a couple of flicks and she was enthused. I said, how do you like the show? She said, I was very amused. I started throwing bass, she started throwing back mid-range. But when I sprung the question, she acted kind of strange. That's when I asked, do you have a man? She tried to pretend, she said, no, I don't. I only have a friend. Now, come on. I'm not even going for that. Oh, baby, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. One more time. at the time. I thought just having a friend couldn't be no crime. Cause I have friends and that's a fact. Like Agnes, Agatha, Jermaine, and Jack. Forget about that. Let's go into the story about a girl named blah 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 that adored me. So we started talking and getting familiar. Spending a lot of time so we can build a relationship. Or some understanding how it's gonna be in the future we were planning. Everything sounded so dandy and sweet. I had no idea I was in for a treat. After this was established, everything was cool. The tour was over and she went back to school. I called every day to see how she was doing. Every time I called her, it seemed that something was brewing. I called her on my dime, picked up and called again. I said, yo, who was that? Oh, he's just a friend. Man, whatever, you sound crazy. But you say he's just a friend But you say he's just a friend Oh, baby, you Got what I need But you say he's just a friend But you say One more time, louder Oh, baby, you You got what I need But you say he's just a friend But you say he's just a friend Hodgman, kick it 
So I came to her college on a surprise visit to see my girl that was so exquisite. It was a school day. I knew she was there the first semester of the school year. I went to a gate to ask where was her dorm. The guy made me fill out a visitor's form. He told me where it was and I was on my way to see my baby doll, I was happy to say. I arrived in front of the dormitory. Yo, could you tell me where is door three? She showed me where it was for the moment. I didn't know I was in for such an event. So I came to her room, I opened the door. Oh, snap! Guess what I saw? A fellow tongue-kissing my girl in the mouth. I was so in shock, my heart went down south. So please listen to the message that I say. Don't ever talk to a girl who says she just has a friend. Has a friend. Now let's go. Let's get it together one more time. Oh, baby! You, you got what I need. Would you say he's just a friend? You say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. What? You say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. That's crazy. You say he's just a friend. That's implausible. Want more Wits in your life? Go to witsradio.org where you can sign up for our newsletter and get the latest about what our various Wits guests are up to. Or tell us what you're up to on Twitter. Just tag us. We're at Wits. This is an audience choice show, so thank you to all of you listening and loving this show. Your support is fantastic. Thanks also to all of our Wits friends who appeared in this episode. Comedians and musicians Paul F. Tompkins, Patton Oswalt, Keegan-Michael Key, Rob Delaney, Nico Case, Kelly Hogan, Ioni Sky, Bobcat Goldthwait, John Hodgman, Gene Gray, Harmar Superstar. Thanks to our technical director, Corey Schreppel, and our coordinating producer, Hans Buto, and Fitzgerald Theater staff, Tom Campbell, Mike Wongan, Alan Freckman, Aaron Cassio, and Dan Zimmerman. Wits is written by me and Ben Acker, Wendy Molyneux, and Jeff Drake, and Mike Fotis. We're joined by music director John Munson and the witnesses Steve Rome, Joe Savage, Richard Medic, and Janie Winterbauer. Our senior producer is Larissa Anderson. Our executive producer is Peter Clowney. I'm John Moe. Bye now. <laughs>